Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. One hour of uh, what I would describe as brilliance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would agree. I think your little piddles, whatever this is, is horse crap today. Hmm. That's interesting. How are you going to respond? We came out, we punched you in the mouth. How are you going to respond? I guess with takes? I don't know. I don't, I don't usually know how to respond to such a thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's not the greatest thing of all time, but, you know, it's, no one bats 1,000. Darren Pang will be with us at 1045. He bats 1,000. Yeah, I love Panger. Uh, I just got this text from a compadre of mine, loyal Balloon Party listener, just like all of St. Louis, and he said, using the superpower that is hindsight, should we think there was more to Armstrong's presser in November than we thought at the time? Very out of character at the time. Was he more concerned that he let on? Was he sending a message that maybe he had more teeth than we realized? How about that? That's a deep dive. I can't, I just, I, just apropos of nothing. That was a deep dive. But perfect, since we'll be talking it over with Panger. Oh, yeah. I don't know on that. I don't know. And then I don't know. Then, then, then I suppose my question would be to my compadre and also to those listening, Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, what would, what would the, the motive have been? Unless he's laying the groundwork for what most likely is going to be taking here over the next few weeks. I'm not saying it's incorrect. I just would be curious what the motive would be. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Like if, if you boys like being here, right. then get your asses in gear. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember it was before that Islanders game because I wound up going to that game. They started out strong, and then it became just another dumpster fire of onslaught of goals. So uh, I don't know. That, uh, we'll talk it over with Panger. Yeah, it's a better deep dive question than I, I presented. Let's let's go through your questions, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the audience will be engaged AF, and I was wrong. But I glanced at what is called the Lil Piddles hypothetical hoedown. <laughs> You can't be mad at the title. The title I love the awesome. title, and then I see the title, and I'm like, oh, well, Jackson brought his A game. And then I saw it, and I go, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said. Probably I mean, focused on South Carolina. I wonder if I, if I went back and tracked the data on these, these series of questions, if they are bad following days when Missouri plays. In other words, are you distracted? Definitely not on an 8 p.m. game. I send these out way before that. Yeah. So that wouldn't have anything yeah, to do with it. You might be watching it. game film. <laughs> on Gigi Jackson, yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'll start it off. This is the Little Pills hypothetical hoedown. And uh, listeners, come into this open-minded. That's how I say, open-minded. That's I've, our already, show. I've already given my opinion on it. Yeah, so please Starting come in open-minded. Show out that way. Don't, don't, be, don't be swayed one way or the other. 
Would you rather the Cardinals have kept Jose Quintana and signed a decent, I mean, it's tough to like say specifically, but like an outfielder who could start every day or just sign Wilson Contreras, which of course they did. Uh, Quintana. Now here's, here's I want to I restate this mm-hmm. because somebody's going to come down from the hills in May after Quintana has like a four for five game with two home runs and assuming they can get service on the Crick Wild, text in and go, uh, hey, how do you feel about that signing now? But but what I'm saying, my my analysis, mm-hmm. my analysis is, let's look at the contract five years from now. My belief will be St. Louis Cardinal fans will not look on it favorably. Right. And my belief, which I think is backed up by now, the stories coming out from this offseason, is it was not the Cardinals' first move. The asking price for Sean Murphy was too high for their comfort level, and then they pivoted to the free agent. And that is where I see the biggest similarity with Dexter Fowler. Take the take the Chicago Cubs thing out of the equation, although that's the obvious one. So with that said, I expect Wilson Contreras to be uh, an obvious, I mean, my God, it better be an upgrade offensively at the catcher position in the short term. But long term, I would have pre- preferred the Cardinals go a different direction than the one that they did. Um, and have more additions than that they had. Now, with that all said, so therefore my answer to your question is is the first option, right. Quintana, Quintana, another direction. I saw this yesterday from friend of the show, John Denton. I don't know if you saw this, Jackson, because I assume you were just watching LeBron cam all day. <laughs> and me and most of the sporting world. That's right. Um, the talented B.B. Uh, Doolittle of ESPN has the Cardinal starting lineup ranked number two you see this? No, really. Okay. Number, Number two, two overall in Major League Baseball, behind the Padres and ahead of the Braves, Astros, and Blue Jays. The Cardinals are projected to have six players in the 90th percentile or better by OPS Plus, the most in baseball. While ESPN has the Cardinals ranked number two offensively, the pitching staff is number 19 per the ratings model. That pitching model projects an 81 and 81 record for the Cardinals, but admits that St. Louis's pitching never holds up well in forecasting systems. They give a nod to the Cardinal defense. How about that? That's all, that's all, that's all, those were two tweets, and they're world-rocking tweets. Yeah, when I think of the six that were mentioned there, I can think of three off the top of my head, Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Contreras. And I guess Edmund is a French yes. guy. But outside of that, I mean, are you banking on O'Neal and Carlson? I would imagine Carlson? that would be in the O'Neal category. And Maybe Carlson or I don't think Gorman has enough track record to say that he'll be in the 90th percentile. Lars Newtbar is the darling of the analytics. He is. He is. That second half of his season for an analytics guy is the best thing you could see. But, I, I, I mean, six, three, maybe four for sure, but six I think is a stretch. I mean, I don't know. O'Neill needs to stay healthy, and Carlson is up and down, and Lars Newtbar, if the analytics hold from the second half of the season, could be. I mean, I think that's what the Cardinals have, a guy, bunch of guys with high ceilings, but also really low floors. Um, so it's a, it's a super wide delta. I was just surprised to see the 81 and 81 projection. Yeah. Like, if you set 80 and a half as the win total, or 81 and a half as the win total in Las Vegas, I would be over all day on it. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the schedule is different in right. 2023. Right, and that's a, that could play it. But they still play a lot of divisional games, and division has not really improved that much. I think that, it has. I think it has improved, right? Because the Cubs have 
also kind of bought themselves some lottery tickets and trying to right. cash in right. on your guy and the Cody That's Bellinger big. play, yeah. who I think Randy Carricker properly identified as the guy the Cardinals were going to bring in. Uh, all right, question number two for what is it, a hypothetical hoedown? Yeah, the Will Piddle's hypothetical hoedown. If you could have two redos with the Blues, signings or trades, either one, in the, let's say the past five, six years, if they Got- were in that delta, who would you, what would you do? What would, you, what would you not do? What would I feel you like do? the answer is too easy. I respect the question. I want that to be clear. I respect the question. I don't respect the package of questions. Right. This question I respect, but I feel like it's obvious. And I and, and therefore, if I can, if you and you're in charge of the Piddles hypothetical hoedown, so you I might am. you can reject this. <laughs> I would like the people to text in their answers because I feel like the answers are obvious. And I, if I said anything more, I'd be giving away a hint as to what I think it is. So I'm going to just say, so make sure that we're on the same page here. Right. I think there is a chance that one that I wouldn't put there is going to be sent in. But I think there, I think there, I think it's obvious once I say it. But I, but maybe I'm off the mark. Text it in three one four three nine 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 six four six. Give the question again, if you would, Jackson. If you could have two redos with the Blues over the past five or six years, signings or trades, what would you do? What would you not do? What would you do? A couple of redos. So I will uh, take a look at the Air Comfort Service text line before uh, we wrap up this uh, Piddles hypothetical hoedown, and see if the people are on the same page as me because I feel like it's so obvious that perhaps. Um, I, I would say outside of these two obvious moves, what would it be? And then it might then it might go into an obvious third. So then I don't know. So I'm anxious. Maybe maybe I'm misreading the room. All right. Uh, what is number? Uh, what are we on? Three or four? This is the third. This is yeah. the third. Now this question has made its way across social media, and I find it really interesting. Okay. Who is the most valuable non-quarterback in the NFL? I saw that question, and I like that one. Maybe I'm not as down on this hypothetical <laughs> hoedown as I think. It grows on you. Yeah, it grows on you. <laughs> It's like balloon party. Yep, fungus. Uh, let's see what we got. I can think of two right off the top of my head. And uh, I think we're thinking of one who is the same mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. I I oftentimes, but I couldn't immediately default to somebody. Like to me, when you talk about, for example, the greatest show on turf. What do you talk about? You either immediately go Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, right. and then you go Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, yep. and you might get in Daz Akeem and Ricky Prohl and Tony Horn on the 99 team. Um, but I think a lot of guys on that team, guys on the other side of the football, and even the guys on the offense who are the stat players, would point at that offensive line. Yep. And for for that era of football to have an offensive line that strong to allow the Rams to run those kinds of plays and that kind of offense, I think that was actually the foundation of the whole thing. Yeah. Which is why, this is in a shot at Kurt Warner, who I hold in the highest of esteem, think of Trent Green's in there, I think they have a potential Super Bowl team as well. So that's why I was when, when I saw this one, I thought, okay, who's like the Orlando Pace of 2023? Mm. But, it, but, but Orlando Pace was in such a different class right. but i but like the ravens they the, jonathan ogden if they hadn't picked ogden you know would you have would they have had the run that they had in the foundation they felt like they were building um you know before they won the super bowl with what wound up being defense so with all that said are you thinking of kelsey yeah okay he's one that's, of them. that's one <sighs> i'm actually thinking of three guys and i think my last one is the one that actually might be my answer i was thinking tyree kill 
uh, because he was so good with Kansas City and then did the same thing with Miami with a quarterback with way less arm strength and just and was injured in and out all year and still put up crazy numbers. And then my well, final— Hill's that great, though, if he doesn't have in Miami, if they don't have the, the two-headed monster with yeah, Jalen Waddell. That's fair. I, I mean, I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying, I mean, if anything, I would say the fact that the Chiefs went right back to the Super Bowl without him— would be yeah. if I were debating you, right? And and you wanted to play the role of Skip, and I'd play the role of Shannon, and I would embrace LeBron after he breaks Kareem's record because I'd have my courtside seats. Right. I would point that out. You want to buy Tyreek Hill? The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. They traded him away. Yeah, it's either a testament to the Chiefs and what they've done, or possibly a detractor to what Tyreek Hill's skill set is. Now, the answer I think I'm going to go with is when you have when you have an edge rusher who creates so much problems, it's hell for an offensive line. They can really neutralize an offensive line. When you take that guy and you put him on the inside and he's still that good, it's a nightmare. So I think the answer is Aaron Donald. I think that if you have to double sometimes triple yeah. team and inside rusher. I don't know, I don't know rusher, how much of his fall off was just the fact that the Rams were garbage and he was hurt right. this year. I mean, and he's yeah, getting so up the, there this, in age. The, yeah, I mean, he was drafted in 12, if I'm not mistaken. 12 or 13. 12 yeah. or 13. Yeah, um, it's like 30. That, that he would... Be in that category, I don't know. But this time last year, I think everybody would have said him. Right, so that's exactly. that's that's why I just it think may not be fair. When the offensive line has to focus so much on just one guy and he's on the inside, that creates hell for an offensive line, which of course creates hell for the entire offense. Yeah, salt with sap. Yeah, and I think Aaron Donald, if he wants to get different out, style player, but right. uh, he was a huge part of the, that Buccaneers defense that nearly shocked the world here. Yeah, and uh, Jackson did Justin Def- Jefferson die? Uh, did he? If so, I feel like we should probably talk about it. No, I mean, but you just need a little more time. I think Jay Jettas is is him, as the kids would say. He is him, but uh, so he has Riz. Yeah, he. Well, yeah, I don't know about that, but I know he's him. He's got that dog in him, and uh, he is I, and I am him, yeah. slim with the tilted brim. Yes. I, 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 don't, I don't know the reference, unfortunately. Um, What's my name? Snoop Dogg? Is it, was that from the Doggy Style album? It's his best album. Is it 94? 93 or 94. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'll look in the break. But I think I'm going to go 93 because it gets me 94, 92. <laughs> I risk 95, though. Right. Chronic was 91, wasn't it? Or was it 90? Somebody will check Ooh. on that, and we'll talk about it coming up with Darren Pang. All right, do we have another question here? Has anybody seen my nurse? Yeah, we sure do. Given the circumstances, this one is not good, but uh, given the circumstances, which team do you think is in better shape in the NFL? The Sean Payton-led Broncos with all of them. Yeah, this is why I hated the hypothetical hoedown. <laughs> and, and on top of it, you on the on the front end of asking the question, you acknowledged it was bad. I looked at it again. I was like, ooh, this one was not my best. I mean, what is this? What are we doing here? Well, you know, there's so this many. This is like if I were like brokering time on the weekends and, you know, you, you actually have a real job, but this is a hobby that you do on the weekends. And then we then we do this thing where we come in and like one guy calls in, but he calls in every week, and we go, well, we got callers. You <laughs> I, know, that, that that's what this question reminds me of. Listen, and I'm not trying to make an excuse here. I'm not. I don't like it making was South excuses. Carolina night. No, but you know, a lot happens in a week in sports. Not so much happens. 24 hours. But apart this is a show that has never been reliant on anything that is topical. You're right. That's our bailiwick. Right, but uh, it's you know what? I'm just going to continue with the question. Uh, which team do you think is in better shape, the Sean, Lay- Sean Payton-led Broncos or the Tom Brady-less Bucks? I can't even get the question. So Sean Payton-led led Broncos. I actually actually disagree. That was me taking 
taking old Yeller out back yeah. and just going here. Let's just yeah. end this and then move on. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah. Didn't think about it. Just thought here, I'm going to put the bullet in. We're going to move on. And the problem is the three, the first three questions weren't, oh, you know, pretty, that's the pretty thing, good. But it was but destroyed the, by yeah. that question. And I mean, the destroyed. next destroyed it poisoned the water. And the next one isn't great by any means. Uh, if you had to bet right now, yeah, just an absolute here. Let's let's end it with a with a one foot putt, <laughs> right. straight uphill. You're right. I do have a cool you, stat, hey, hold though, on, for just you. for the record, I don't know if you've said it yet. If you had to bet right now, who would you bet in the Super Bowl? Just I, awful. And we'll be back next Saturday at 7 a.m. with Tim <laughs> and Jackson on the weekend. I have a great stat for you with this one, though. So this could really help my case here. The Super Bowl favorite, this is Super Bowl 57, Super Bowl favorite is 27-27-2 and two in no. the Super Bowl. Shout out to now, Las Vegas. If that would have been included in there, it would have helped. Yeah. Well, I, I had that. It was like my little, that was a, a little rabbit in my hat I had to pull out in case the hotel went poorly, which but it has. the thing about the Sean Payton-led Broncos and oh, the Bradyless so Bucks almost meant that the hypothetical hoedown was not going to get red today. so bad. But that stat intrigues me. Yeah. So the favorite and the underdog are both 27 and 27? 27, 27 and, and two, two pushes? Two pushes, yeah. So shout out to Las Vegas for just nailing spreads. Wow, how about that? I gather the Rams went 0-2. I know they definitely didn't cover against the Patriots, and I don't think they covered against the the Titans. Gotcha. Yeah, I think and that stat to me just says, like, there is no real, like, edge on, like, the favor. 27-27-2, that is unbelievable. To answer your question, I would take the Eagles. I would, too. All day. But... You know, I mean, I, you're the one that's been on. You've been calling Eagles and Chiefs for a while, and I realize it's chalk, but still you hit it. I was on the uh, Bills and 49ers. Yeah, I just think the Eagles, their front seven and then their offensive line is so strong, they can always compete in games. Like, even when Gardner Minshew was there, they weren't good by any means, but we, they were competitive. One of the things that, that has been going around here, and like in particular with Georgia, it stood out where Kirby Smart had those guys convinced <laughs> that everybody was doubting them, <laughs> and people around the country going, were you doubting Georgia? And everybody goes, no, I have no idea what he's talking about. But, hey, he convinced his team yeah. is to talk about how a team is underrated or not getting enough respect. This is a rare case, of especially a team that's playing for the Super Bowl, right. that truly is not getting enough respect. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it's, it's really odd. Yeah. I feel for, like the- for, and, I, and I honestly, I'd love to, it's kind of like the psychology of why road winning in college basketball is so brutal. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know the psychology behind why people are overlooking the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't have the answer. I don't. But I, I am truly kind of enamored with it, and it's just been recently that I bought it. Now, their destruction of the Giants I consider to be more legitimate than the destruction of the 49ers. If you had what happened to the 49ers happen at the quarterback position to any other team in the playoffs, imagine what would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. I was wrong on the Bills. I'm still not sure I was wrong on the 49ers. Um, but with regards to what the Eagles have done this year and their body of work, I don't know how you can ignore right. uh, that that I, I I feel like they should be a bigger favorite than yeah. they are. Yeah, anytime you're dealing with Mahomes though, it's it's such a different ball game. I feel like the Niners were kind of heralded oh. as the as the team in the NFC just based on what they did in the second half of the season, especially after acquiring Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, but they didn't play that 49ers team. Exactly. That's what I'm, I like I think there's a good chance the Niners are probably the best team in the NFC. They just played without a quarterback for the final their last game of the season. So, but I still think the Eagles were, have been undervalued for a while and I don't know. I, this this Super Bowl matchup, I think, of the four in the NFC, the the two possible matchups or four possible matchups, this is the best one. Eagles-Chiefs, best one.
I like it over the Bill or the Bengals and the Niners for sure. Uh, I would have taken the Bengals. I'm just not sold on the Chiefs, which has somehow become an unpopular thing to say in St. Louis where there's been an adoption of the Kansas City Chiefs. Clark Hunt laughs at you all. Marks. <laughs> uh, all right, Jackson, anything else on this hypothetical hoedown? Nope, that's where it uh, sputters out. All right, there it is. Uh, all right, now, I deep-teased this, and I said I want to see if my moves uh, were the ones that the Blues fans thought. Boy, we've got a lot of tags here. Let's see what we got. Uh, resign. There it is. Resign Petro, therefore don't need to bring in Krug. So that that's what I was saying. Uh, and I, and then the one that came in the most was re-sign Petrangelo and Perron. I have a feeling that might be the one. That was the third one I was talking about. So if I would have said they're intertwined, then it would have given it away. Yeah. Because if you re-sign Petrangelo, then there's never any Tory Krug in St. Louis. Right. So I didn't want to say that. But a lot of people share my opinion. And that's the one that Petrangelo keep. And uh, and then people either go with Perron or never sign Krug. But if you keep Petrangelo, then it kind of goes without saying. You're also not going out and spending dollars that same free agent season for Tory Krug. All right, uh, 314-399-9646. Darren Pang coming up at 1045 on the program. It's Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis, Acura, Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Darren Pang coming up at 1045. Jackson poses a question. I'm fresh off of watching this show. I wonder how many people watch this in our audience. Uh, the Bullies, Baltimore. 15%. Hmm, that's a nice number. It puts me to the test. I love 30 for 30s. Yeah, I think a lot of people are in the same camp where they'll just. it doesn't matter what the topic is. They want to watch their yeah, 30s. They've kind of had a... Cold streak? Yes. <laughs> I just don't... I mean, you really could do these on almost any championship team. Right. But the question you pose, and then and therefore I shall pass along to our audience, is the following. On the heels of the Bullies of Baltimore, which team in St. Louis sports do you think would make for the most interesting documentary? A team with great on and off the field storylines that would make for a captivating 30 for 30. Jackson, have you thought about this? And if so, what is your answer? So, I mean, we've talked about some kind of similar to this before with, like, the Rick Ankiel story, which would make for not only a great documentary, but, like, a feature film. And I think that the, just the, like, you could start in August of the 2011, or even earlier, the 2011 season for the Cardinals, because not only do you have, you know, this incredible comeback run and then what happened in Game 6 and Game 7 of the World Series, but, you game know... Game 5 of the NLDS against the Phillies was one of the all-time greats, too. No doubt. No doubt. With an all-time pitching matchup. Uh but I think also what you'd have is there was beef, you know, with the Brewers and the Cardinals during that whole Niger season. Morgan. Niger Morgan, T Plush, uh, the little monster things that they would hold, uh, they would do with the little monster signs, uh, and that got under the Cardinals. So 2011 can. Cardinals, what you're going? With. I think that that would make for a really fat, and you have some unbelievable personalities on that team, all-time greats. When you're talking about, you know, Albert and Chris Carpenter and Yadi, but like I just think it would be really fun. That team was a fun team. And made a huge move with the trade deadline that ultimately led to them winning a championship. I think that'd be a fun documentary. I got. I, I here's the thing. I love this question. It's a real nice bounce back for you. You yeah, had a real bad huge. double bogey with the hypothetical hoedown. Right. And this was scrambling. This was impressive. What went on here with your bounce back birdie? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take it back to 1985. 
you're talking about that style of baseball yep. in and of itself is a story, how great that team was, the hatred that really did develop and exist between them and the Mets. Yeah. You wound up having the, the MVP in Willie McGee. You had what was going on with the defense, with Ozzie Smith, the base running with damn near everybody. Uh, you had this one monster bat in the middle of the lineup surrounded by a bunch of guys who were slapping it around, but that would lead to triples with Jack Clark. Uh, John Tudor came out of nowhere and just went off. You had Whitey Herzog pulling genius moves, some of which are now illegal, in which a left-handed reliever would go to right field so he wouldn't have to pull him out of the game, and then he'd bring him back in after the right-hander <laughs> would come up. I mean, you had all kinds of bullpen by committee. And then, of course, uh, two great postseason series. Yeah. The go-crazy folks home run right. in Game 5. Jack Clark with Pedro Guerrero throwing his glove down. Tom Needenfewer both times. And then the World Series. You'd have the tarp with Vince Coleman. And then, of course, the blown call. Right. And how so many of these things that happened then would never happen now. Yeah. The, I mean, the blown call would never, of course, exactly. happen. But take your pick of all the other stuff with, like, Ken Daly being in right field, and then he'd be brought back in. Uh, so, with all of that said, the personalities there, Whitey Herzog, Gussie Bush, uh... Jack Buck, Mike yep. Shannon, Jay Randolph on the uh, television call. I mean, you just had – I love that. And I and I acknowledge this. Perhaps that's nostalgia. So right. perhaps it's flawed. I think another one that would be obvious, the 2019 St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of texts coming in saying the 2019 Blues, which would be, an, I mean, incredible. Another because of the story of the organization – which I think you can start that. I'm producing this on the fly. Love it. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm I'm essentially the Bill Simmons of the Midwest, uh, and uh, and and have it really told around the centerpiece of, of Bobby Plager. Yeah. And um, being one of the founding fathers of the organization, the story because he came in and did like a two hour conversation with me on my podcast. God, it was one of my favorites of all time. Uh, maybe about a month after they won the cup. And told these stories about how they'd get stuck and there was nobody to pay. It sounded like Major League. Yeah. yeah, there were the things that they were flying around on. They thought they were moving all the time, bankruptcy, all this crap. Uh, and the, you know, I mean, Blues fans and Missouri fans, there might not be a, a lot of overlap on it, right? But are up until 2019, both would fall into the category of, in my opinion, top 10 tortured fan bases. Yeah. And then the Blues fans finally get it. And you have the hometown guy who had been a healthy scratch. You have the firing of Yo, Craig Berube coming in, Bennington out of nowhere, the Gloria thing at yeah. the, the bar, you know, while they're watching the playoff stories. game. And I'm leaving out, I'm sure, like five things, which if I looked at the te text inbox would not only be reminders, but somehow also personal insults. <laughs> so that to me would be live. And then I go to what my answer is, but I don't know if I go 99 or 2001. Mm. And I'm talking Rammies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating stories. Like I'm one. thrilled, and I was truly thrilled with the Cardinals winning the World Series in 2006, and that series with the Mets was ridiculous. It's awesome. But as guys on those teams would tell you, that team wasn't necessarily up there with multiple teams that came before them from 2000 on. But it won the World Series, so it's counterintuitive. And 2011, I think if you built it around the centerpiece that is David Fries yeah. and his struggles both before and after and then who he is now, I think that would perhaps be an angle, but that's not necessarily the team. Right. So when you look at the team, I think you have the 19 Blues, the 85 Cardinals, and, God, I think the 2001 Rams 
The team that didn't win. That didn't win. And then kind of telling, because to me, then that leads into the story of the NFL in St. Louis. Right. Because that's the sliding doors moment. I think people think, oh, even if they won, they still move. And I'm just not sure that's the case. I'm just not sure it's the case. Because I think so many things happened that wouldn't have happened, wound up happening because they lost that game. And that team, and as I said, I think I said it yesterday here. Maybe I said it on TMA. I don't know. But um, I would have loved to have seen the 2,000 Rams and their dreadful defense go up against the Ravens and their dreadful offense. But because of the Rams offense and the Ravens defense. And I have no idea. I'd love to interview 10 of those guys. And I'm sure the Ravens guys would say they would have won and the Rams guys would have said they would have won. But which one would have bled through? Would the Rams' offense have broken through on that Ravens' defense, which was giving up no points? I mean, they did give up a touchdown in that game against the Giants, but it was on a kickoff return. They just didn't give up touchdowns. Right. Or would the Rams, who couldn't stop anybody, (laughs) but they also couldn't be stopped, would they have broken through on that defense? I don't know. So that would have been so good because the Giants, and and I remember thinking it myself, and I, and I hadn't watched that 30 for 30 up until last night, but it was so interesting that Marvin Lewis, who was the defensive coordinator of that Ravens team, Brian Billick, who was the head coach, Jack Del Rio, who was the linebacker's coach, they all said, and maybe guys say this after the fact all the time, I don't know, I'd be surprised if they did. They watched the film of the Giants and they beat the hell out of the Vikings 41 to nothing the week before in the NFC Championship. And they're like, we're going to not only win, we're going to beat the hell out of these guys. They were that confident. And sure enough, they did, 34-7. to So the Rams were expected to do the same thing to the Patriots. I think they were about two touchdown favorites. And had that actually wound up happening, and also keep in mind with that 2001 team, and, and most of the guys who played on both the 99 and 2001 team say the 2001 team was better, I feel like the 99 team might be more underappreciated because they were two plays away from being undefeated in the regular season. It was a fourth and 25 at the Silverdome against the Lions that the Lions converted. And then it was this strange series of false starts on the right tackle, Fred Miller, in Nashville. Um, and I think he was blocking Javon Curse, and Curse just owned him, and Miller kept having all these false starts. And then the, the, the Rams still nearly won that game, the same team they played in the Super Bowl. Otherwise, I think they're undefeated. And they lost their final game against the Eagles, but that's because they didn't play any of their starters because they had already clinched everything. So they wound up going 13-3. and So my premise being you have two teams that were up there with the 49ers of the 80s and the Cowboys of the 90s, but I don't think are viewed that way because they had this terrible loss in the Super Bowl and they had a terrible year in between defensively and what it would have meant for football in St. Louis and what it would have meant for the careers of some of those players. If Kurt Warner wins that Super Bowl, is Kurt Warner benched as quickly as he was in 2003, which then sends him to eventually be Eli Manning's mentor in New York before a few years later becoming this incredible comeback story, this Phoenix, ironically, in Phoenix with the Cardinals in the 2008 team that that lost to Kerry Davis's uh, squad when Santonio Holmes made that catch. So you have that part of the story. The the tension that took place between Mike Martz and Jay Zygmunt and Charlie Army after that thing. Um, what it then launched Tom Brady and Bill Belichick into. It's just that's that's yeah, to tells me a much is, bigger story. There's a, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff there. I think that's a good answer because it tells such a bigger story than just a team's season. You know, it tells a story of multiple like one dynasty starting while another city essentially starts the descent of their losing their team, uh, the careers of all time greats. 
Yeah, I think that that tells a, a larger story, which if you're looking at a documentary, that's kind of what you want is uh, a, a story that's like a microcosm of a bigger story. Um, and I think you would have a number of guys who would talk about how it still haunts them to this day, that what happened in New Orleans. And I recall interviewing Chris Mortensen outside the hotel uh, on that Saturday in New Orleans. And he said, I think what we're about to see tomorrow night is the crowning of a dynasty. And he was right. It just was the team nobody was really talking about. Wrong dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Which one would you like to see? Darren Pang is going to join us coming up at 1045. What St. Louis team would you like to see in the 30 for 30 should one be done? Darren Pang at 1045. This is Balloon Party trimmed by St. Louis Acura. Munga, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the presentation. Darren Pang is going to join us coming up in a matter of moments here on the show. Talking it over as the Blues will get back to action on Saturday, taking on the Coyotes pregame here on 101 ESPN at 6 P.M. Uh, Jackson, Joe Lodorty released it, his bracketology yesterday. Bazzori beat South Carolina, didn't cover the number, but they get the win, and he's got Bazzori taking on Northwestern as a number eight seed. Do you agree with Joe Lodorty? Yeah, they're neat. It's unbelievable how you are able to basically talk out of both nostrils when you do the Joe Lodorty thing. I find it just hilarious. Um, yeah, eight seed's about right. I mean, when you have very little road wins and you know really some really good wins but not anything that's going to like jump off the page for you what if they win in knoxville winning in knoxville would be huge like if they can go on the stretch they got auburn tennessee and texas a&m if they can go two for three here then they could bounce up to maybe a six five seed but i mean you know the sec is a gauntlet this season but the big 10 and big 12 are really solid too so auburn lost last night to texas a&m texas a&m was one of the first four out uh, I would imagine they would at this moment be in. Yeah. And uh, Illinois is currently listed as a six seed in the NCAA tournament for the record. Purdue, Roll Tide, Houston, and Arizona, the four number one seeds. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, Good I news, Missouri would be an eight in the West, and any time they go deep, they're in the West. Yeah. 2009, West. 2002, West. Yeah. 94, West. Yeah, I think that the committee i hope recognizes how good the sec is because like a team like texas a&m who has been so good in the sec being first four out i when i saw that i was actually surprised by but i know they're not conference schedule this week and illinois being a six seed where i like i guess if you're really ranking the big 10 that much ahead of the sec which i don't think you can i know purdue like i just think they're top heavy the sec is Deep. Got Kentucky, another signature Missouri win as a ten, but they are they're mounting yeah. a charge. And they well, they just lost to Arkansas. You know that that's uh, that's a but in Arkansas, if Arkansas can get Nick Smith Jr. back, who's going to be a lottery pick, in the and NBA, he's got Arkansas as an eleven. 
if Arkansas goes in at 11, they're going to ruin some team's day because if they have Nick Smith Jr. back, who's going to have confirmed lottery pick, will be a top could be a top five pick. In the You're NBA saying draft. put a put a little spot on Arkansas to go deep <laughs> if they can get him back combined with Anthony Black uh, and um, drawing a blank on there, uh, uh, Scotty Thurman, Ricky Council the fourth. Uh, you combine those three, who are all three first-round NBA draft picks, and they're an 11 seed. Wow, that could Jackson be a really loves problem. Arkansas, Missouri fans. Send your texts in from the 573. I feel bad for them because they should be like a top-10 team, but the two of their stars, Brazil, who was obviously on Mizzou last year, and Nick Smith Jr., who's one of the best players in the country, are both hurt. But if Nick Smith Jr. comes back, throw the record books, record books out the window, Tim. Uh, Darren Pang is going to join us, and he will give us his take on Nick Smith Jr. Uh, and then also Jackson saying to throw the record books out the window. That is coming up. Darren Pang next here on Balloon Party from Bimungana, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to talk blues hockey with Darren Pang. Holy jump and wow. what a save. Refreshed by Urban Chestnut Brewing Company and their Urban Underdog Lager. Prost. Nurse? Sorry, I, I, I did. My nursing? Well, it's a good thing that people didn't hear me taking you to task during the commercial break. I had Jackson pinned up against the wall with the help of a step stool, and he didn't know what hit him. Uh, I know what hit us is we have Panger. Oh, nice. Panger, good morning. Oh, my goodness. Is Jackson falling <laughs> off his game or what? <laughs> you wouldn't believe what was going on during this commercial break. I don't know what was going on. I was watching video of Jeannie Buss massaging Dwayne Wade to be real transparent with the audience. It was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, I, I just know that Jackson was panicking, Panger, and, uh, and yet here you are. All, all I know is I didn't hear return music, and I've never been angrier, candidly. Yeah, well, I I can't picture you being that angry, to be quite honest with right, you. But right. I can, but I am picturing I'm picturing Jackson. Like you know, you start the hockey game, your your first star, you're making all kinds of fancy passes, everything's going your way. You ring one off the post, and everybody's buzzing. That's going to be the first star. The second period comes along, his passes are a little bit off. He's fallen off the map. By the third period, Jackson fell to the seventeenth star. Oh no! Just like that. Yeah, such yeah. a strong like start that. and a falling star. Is that the last star happens. possible? <laughs> 17 well, last no, I, I I added a couple of other guys that were pigeons in the game. You were at least you at the post in the first. Yeah, as long as I'm not last, you know. Yeah, yeah that, that was a compliment. No, don't worry. Yeah. All right, yeah. So yeah, yeah. This is a win for me. Yeah, that's a huge win for you. Panger, I had this question texted me by a, a friend of the feather, and uh, I'm curious what your answer to it is, because once he sent it, I go, you know what, I can't wait to ask Panger this question. Using the superpower that is hindsight, should we think there was more to Armstrong's presser in November than we thought at the time? It was very out of character at the time. Was he more concerned than he let on? Was he sending a message that maybe had more teeth than we realized? Hmm. Like the teeth of Wolpertinger. Wow. That's the nice. The teeth of Wolpertinger. He's going to be at Urban Chestnut. I'll get to that later on. But yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think... Honestly, I think what I, I mean when I listen to Army, you know, it's it's a it's it's always a calculated move, but it's also a move in which at that point, remember he was just trying to say, listen, our coach talks twice a day, yeah. our players are being asked. I'm going to take on some of this heat, but but I I, I think he wanted to step up and and step forward too and say like uh, I, I'm I'm not real thrilled with the lack of compete or the lack of consistency or the lack of urgency or the lack of maybe starts of games, and I, I'm just here to say that you know that if, if like if this is going to continue this way, well, then that makes my decision a lot easier. 
moving forward. So was there some foreshadowing to that, uh, you know, possibly, or was it just a statement of fact saying, hey, guys, here I am. I'm the general manager. I put this team together. I'm disappointed. But, you know, the stuff on the ice isn't good enough. There's no spirit going on. So I'm just letting you know that it could go this way or it could go that way, and it's all up to you guys. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think from that point on we saw some really great play, like play that teased, like that not teased us, but, you know, Made us think it was possible, right? That's what I was thinking, even as recently as a few weeks ago. Exactly right. And and you start beating good teams, and you start playing good defending hockey and playoff hockey, and you care for one another, and you go to the bench on a line change, and everybody's patting you on the back. I mean, that's, I think, the sign that general managers and coaches look at. Like, are they in it together? And so, yeah, and then there's been some signs, as we well know, and this has got to be really tough on these guys. The way that they played, you know, that homestand was – was just a brutal way to end a home stand that really didn't sell anybody the thought of this team moving forward and being a playoff team. And so now there's a break, so you kind of forget about some of the games that they played going into the break. But, man, it wasn't good, and I know the players were, were, were and are pretty embarrassed with the way that they played and disappointed in themselves that they played the way that they played. I'm curious what your reaction and the reaction around the league as you travel around is to what transpired with the Canucks in uh, the Islanders uh, in the Bohorat trade, and then uh, what the ransom was for him. Not to say that then the Blues can expect that, but it, no. if it sets it sets some kind of an idea of what the floor would be, uh, were people were people surprised by what Vancouver got for him? And what was your reaction? No, I, I think there was a lot of managers out there that, and and just myself, just looking at it. If somebody were to ask me right now, like you are. I thought that they could have gotten more from Bo Horvat. Hmm. I mean, I, I you know, Beauvillier is a fine player, but he, but he's not a he's not a needle mover. You know, he's 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 not that kind of guy. The prospect that they got is a guy that some believed years ago he should have been a top five pick. He dropped right off the map and he became a second round pick. At that point, they thought that he was going to be maybe a top six forward with a lot of skill. And now, you know, a lot of managers are saying, well, the reason why he's been in the minors is because he's on the bottom six. So. You know, you know, it's 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 like when the Blues got Justin. Okay, the Blues get Justin Falk on a great trade, and you know they they give up they give up Bach. Remember, he was a first round draft pick, and everybody thought, man, this guy's got a lot of skill, a lot of good hands, and as it turns out, he's not played a game in the National Hockey League. So, I mean, sometimes you take flyers on guys like the like the Canucks have with this prospect, and they're banking on that prospect being a a really good player, like a top six player. And if that fails miserably and the player doesn't end up being anything but a fourth-line left winger that can barely kill penalties, well, then this trade's an absolute bust for yeah. me. So um, so anyway, I, I, I thought that they would get more for Bo Horvat. You'd obviously have a deal in place beforehand. It took a little while for Lou Lamorello to announce how much money it was for and the term that it was for. But I don't think you're trading for a guy like that without knowing that you've got an extension in place at the age that he's at. Now, maybe it'd be different for Vladdy. Maybe it'd be different for Ryan O'Reilly because maybe they don't, you know, they don't want to sign a deal or an extension if they were to be traded to the team that they're going to be traded to. You know, maybe it doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe you go there for three months and go, man, this is this right. doesn't work for me. And who knows? Maybe Bo Horvat spends two months in the, on the island and says, oh boy, what did I just do? You know, or as he was the first star in last night's game and the fans were chanting his name louder than they've chanted for any player's name. Maybe it all works out at the end. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see how quickly things start to pick up uh, with everybody getting back now. Do you think that this is yeah. something that's going to happen quickly? Uh, do you think the, the Blues and Doug Armstrong would maybe be more apt to wait until that 11th hour, March 2nd, March 3rd? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Doug's real big on waiting for the for the last hour. I mean, un, unless he's unless he's got such great competition between three, four teams, and, yeah. and he knows if he waits at the final the final minute, he might even sneak out an extra second or third round draft pick. That's a game of composure. But I, you know, I would just say this is just watching the final games before the break. How many general managers were joining their pro pro scout staff at our games? I mean, that tells me that there's a little more urgency in making a deal sooner rather than later for the teams that want the players. So we can only speculate that it's a, it's an Achari, is it a Mikola, is it a, it seems like Ivan Barbashev's name more than any other name has been thrown around mm-hmm. out there, especially with Ryan O'Reilly not even playing. So they're not out there to see him. And, and Vladdy Tarasenko kind of fits, you know, not, not, not everyone's need um, like a guy like Barbashev would. So I, I would have to think it's up to the team that wants that player and they want him before anybody else and they want him to come join the team before it's, you know, before it's at that last possible date because the, the like getting acclimated with your teammates and getting that chemistry going later is very difficult. Making that move now gives that player an extra month before yeah. the deadline, and that makes a total amount of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot. Yeah, you're right. That, that, that's a good point. Uh, well, we'll see. It's going to be happening here in a matter of time, just a matter of when. Darren Pang with us every Wednesday here on Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Panger, we always enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Fine, fine, sir. Yeah, and Jackson, keep up the great work. And in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you about that, uh, that Wolpe. With Urban Chestnut. See, there you go. It's going to make it all better for you. Thanks so much, Panger. Thank you, Panger. You got it, Jackson. You're back on track, Jax. (laughs) There you go. uh, Panger with us here on the program. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrari are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.